Welcome to the Free to Laugh and Think for Yourself podcast. I'm Doc. And I'm his wife, Rebecca. Join us as we take a unique look at current events, marriage, and the supernatural. Well, we're back. What has your weekend been like, Rebecca? (laughs) Well, the only thing most recent in my brain is just the... I don't even know, bear of a night that we've had with our children. <laughs> I think that's a nice way of putting it. I don't know what's happening in the world, other than I'm glad to finally just sit down with you and have our children in bed and <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild one there. Yeah, He had a long weekend. He, you know, our, our little guy's three now, and he had a birthday party this weekend, and that was fun. Uh, very blessed to have the friends he has in his life. And, you know, it's just... A lot of change. He keeps talking about the old home. We moved months ago. Yes. And he keeps bringing up the old home. So I, I feel bad. He he really misses the familiarity and having the friends that he had there. You know, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, Thursdays, I miss the old home. You yeah, know, sure. It, it, was a ni- it was a nice place. but Yeah, particularly when I'm driving over there. That's when I miss it the yes. most. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, you do what you think that you're called to also. Yes. That we really felt like we were called to move to Williamson County and we're on the very edge of Williamson County. So we are where God called us to. And, you know, sometimes that requires the kids sacrificing too. that happened in my childhood. Didn't happen in Rebecca's. She was in the same old house. (laughs) My whole life. My parents are still there. (laughs) Yeah. Then I worked a card show Saturday morning and, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I had this guy come up. I'm, He's looking at two cards. There's one that's... Rebecca's already laughing because she's heard this. But this guy is looking at two cards. One is $40. One is $10. And he pulls out his phone. And immediately, I go into cringe mode in my head because I know exactly what these guys are doing. They're looking up the most recent sales so they can try to take the card at the most lowest price possible Uh, and it irritates me because particularly with football we're in the off season these cards are going to go through the roof the moment that the first kickoff of the first game happens it went the other way as soon as the super bowl was over prices dropped so i know what this thing's worth and this guy said well the most recent one of these sold for 30 so i want it for 30 and I'm like, dude, uh, you want both these cards. How about I give you, I didn't call him dude. It was an older guy. <laughs> I, I said, how about I give you both for 40? And he's like, well, that's not a good deal. I said, I'm giving you this card for free. I'm giving you this card for free. How is that not a good deal? Well, that, it's not a good deal because it's not 30. I can't give you both for 30. That would be a $20 loss. Are you kidding me? And I'm trying to do the math for this guy. And, uh, you know, it, growing up in Montana, I used to hear all the North Dakota jokes. So any, you know, disparaging joke, oh, you must be from North Dakota, you know, that, that was the whole thing. I don't know where this guy was from, probably North Dakota. <laughs> but man alive. I'm like, what you want me, what they want, they want you to just give them the merchandise. I said, this is my business. I can put whatever price I want on these. And, you know, we parted ways. But Welcome to the free market. 
People really do just want so much stuff for nothing. Oh man, this weekend was the worst with that too. It was one guy after another just wanted something for nothing. Usually it's not quite that bad, but man alive, I I was ready. It was a good thing. There was another guy looking down. He's at my table. He's looking down and he's just chuckling because he knows the stupidity in this whole thing. And man, when that guy left, I I just unload. This guy let me unload thank god because i was about to jump over the table <laughs> on this guy i would have let to see that <laughs> yeah i'm sure he would have <laughs> that had been my last show of course but it had been a worthwhile uh you know at least i'd go out with a bang okay all right <laughs> i don't have anything to add to that yeah i don't know yeah it, it, oh, in the moment i was so so angry i mean come on i, I i'll stop all right whatever <laughs> we don't want to bore these people it's not boring. I mean, they relate to it somehow, you know. Uh, but I mean, to continue the rant, you know. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if you've ever been to a comedy show, but. You know, <laughs> it's one long rant. It's one An rant after another, yes. <laughs> you know, we don't want to bore them with your rants. How about we listen to somebody else's rants? <laughs> okay. So what are we going to be talking about here? Well, we are talking today about soul ties to the church. Soul ties to the church. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I wish the people could see your face right now. You're looking at me like, <laughs> like I'm crazy and you truly have That's how no idea <laughs> what we are talking about. Yeah. Right. You just sprung this on me. Soul ties to the church. Huh? Yes. Yes. So soul ties to the church. This probably isn't a familiar thought to a lot of people, but it's a very important topic. So soul, a soul tie in general, I think most people think about it if, you know, you're sexually joined to somebody. Essentially, it's just a covenant that you make between yourself and another person. You know, whatever that relationship looks like, it can look like various relationships. We see this a number of times in scripture. Obviously, there's a famous verse, you know, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and then to become one. There's the verse that talks about, you know, where Paul talks about joining yourself to the prostitute and you both become one in, I think it says spirit or soul. I guess it's a soul. Okay. Sorry. I don't have my Bible in front of me. <laughs> I'm just going off the top of my head here. Um, but then there's also soul ties with, with just friends in general, like platonic relationships. The Bible talks about in first Samuel, it talks about how Jonathan and David, their souls were tied together. Wow. Their love was so deep. They had basically, they had a soul tie. And then we also see this, though. But that was a healthy one. Yes, that was a healthy one. I mean, it was a deep brotherly love. Yep. You know? I don't think we've seen another. Saved David's life. Yes. I don't think there's another example in Scripture of that kind of love between friends. It was I'd, very, very. I'd say deep. maybe Jesus and anybody. <laughs> well, yeah. God, I mean, God and anybody. Okay, but between two humans, fully oh, humans. Oh, you know. oh, oh, okay. And then we do see this with the church, though. The Bible talks about the church having soul ties. It talks about the, the church in Acts talks about how the church was united in heart and soul. Okay, so there's your biblical basis, all right? For anybody that's, that would ask, where is this found in Scripture? Those are just some examples. There's right. so many other things that there, but those are just some quick examples. So where are we going to be running with this ball? <laughs> I feel like you're putting all of the pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're the one with the notes. <laughs> yes, I do have the notes in front of me. Yes, we we wrote down our notes. Always a good thing. To well, do. I didn't write any notes actually. You have all the notes. Oh, 
I've condensed our notes. I am our, our podcast secretary. I take yeah. our thoughts and I write them up so we sound like we know what we're talking about. All right. Yes. Yeah, so we... <laughs> All right. So now that we've defined soul ties, how does this tie into the topic of church? Because we are talking today specifically about soul ties to a church. Little backstory on this. We have both come from many churches in our background. (laughs) We, We were both raised in the church, but we have attended and been involved in a number of churches. And we've just been talking lately about just the experiences that we've had in church and things that have made us leave different churches, things that have made us stay in different churches. And we've noticed some themes in our own life. Um, just how to spot a healthy church, how to spot unhealthy churches. But basically this has boiled down to reasons specifically why we have left different churches in our life and how these churches from our personal experience in one way or another had some kind of a soul tie with us, right? We, we were just dedicated to this church in such a way that we finally had to come to a decision of, okay, we're going to leave, even if it's not comfortable. Um, and so just working through all that, and there's different levels to that and how we've gone about that. And I'm not saying that every single church we've been to, we've had a soul tie with, because that's a little bit dramatic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but our hope with this podcast episode today is that this will help some people out there. If you find yourself at a church and you're like, I don't feel like this is where the Lord wants me, but for some reason I can't leave. Or, you know, maybe you and your spouse have differing opinions about where you should go to church. Like all of these things, we're just here to discuss this. Hopefully our experience can just help um, other people out there who are just wondering, you know, what to do at the church that they are at that maybe they don't feel like they should be at any longer, but they don't really have clarity on that. So we're just going to speak from our experiences. All right. So why don't you share a little bit about your upbringing in the church? Yes. Okay. I like to say that I was as churchy as a kid could get without being a pastor's kid. (laughs) (laughs) The first place I ever went to was church. My parents, um, that was a really big deal to them that all of their children, all eight of their children, the first place we ever went to was church to be dedicated to the Lord. So I went to church at seven days old and I was dedicated in the church of the Nazarene. I was baptized in the church of the Nazarene when I was nine years old. And so I've been in church my whole life. I attended a Nazarene church until I was 16. And then at that point, my family left the church that I had grown up at, that my mom had grown up at. And we started going to a Nazarene church and a Baptist church. (laughs) At the same time? At the same time. Yes, that's a a whole other story, but I know that's a little odd. But yes, (laughs) at the same time. But I'm sure there's people out there that can relate. Yes. I mean, especially honestly here in Nashville, there's a lot of people that consider themselves to be part of multiple churches. Did you feel like that was a healthy situation for you? Um, it was an odd, it was odd to go to two churches of two different denominations, Yeah, you know, that have very, yeah. Were you hearing like as a kid, were you hearing messages that conflicted? Oh yeah. So the Nazarene church, their two main points that kind of set them apart as a Nazarene denomination, one that women can be ordained and, (laughs) and two that you can forfeit your salvation. That once you're saved, you can, you know, yeah. forfeit your relationship yeah. with Jesus. You could give it back. Right. Those are two doctrines that are fundamentally opposed to the Baptist, Calvinist way of thinking. You're kidding. So, <laughs> I know. So it was a struggle for me, honestly, to go to a Baptist church 
and be met with this new way of thinking. That was a lot. Yeah. But yes. So, but, but it was good. I mean, it really stretched me. It, it made me really sit down and ask myself, what do I believe? You know, I, I was raised one way. And so do I believe the things that I believe just because I've been raised in them and my parents have told me these things and the church has told me these things, or do I believe them because I know them to be true? So it actually set me on this journey later in high school and in college of really trying to figure out what I believed and why I believed it. For myself, it was growing up in a Christian home. My folks both loved the Lord very much and we were in a church and I'm, I'm just going to fast forward to my teen years. We, cause we did bounce around quite a bit and it wasn't because we were church hopping, you know, which is a totally different topic. I think, uh, you know, where you just feel like, well, they're not teaching everything that I want them to do. They're not doing everything I want them to do. That's not why, you know, a lot of the reasons that we were kind of bouncing around, but anyway, we're in a small town, not a lot of options. And, the church that we were involved with, uh, you know, it was just kind of a Sunday thing. And what I experience now, what I expect now, and uh, no offense to anybody listening that may have been a part of that, but to me it was a dead church. There was really no movement of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was just very bland. And for a kid growing up in that, I had really no desire to pursue Christ. I just wanted to, you know, try to find fulfillment in the world like a lot of people do. And it, you know, I wasn't seeing the things in the word played out. So we had people getting sick and dying and I'm trying to be like, well, Hey, Jesus said that we're supposed to heal the sick. And all I'm hearing is, well, that's just the way it goes. That didn't cut it for me. So Anyway, fast forward a little bit longer, I go, you know, I go through my little time of being a rebel and end up in Tacoma, was part of a big mega church there, part of the media team, so uh, part of that time was on staff, and I really enjoyed it, you know, and I got a lot out of that, grew a lot, uh, it was almost a decade that I was there. But towards the end, and I was telling Rebecca about this today, towards the end, I ended up moving, but it wouldn't have mattered. I was going to have to make a choice because in the last, I don't know, year or two before that, I had, the Lord had really introduced me to divine healing and I was so on fire. Like I hadn't experienced anything like that before. I'm actually seeing the things Jesus talked about played out. It changed me forever. And then I go back to church and, and I remember one Sunday specifically the pastor saying, we, we got all this stuff going on here. We're even seeing some healings and it just hit me the wrong way. I'm like, that should be like up near the top here. That's supposed to be the sign of a believer. So I did start checking out other churches and kind of you know, just seeing what was going on. I wanted to know more. And really the Bible talks about, Paul talks about uh, milk versus meat. And, you know, God blessed that time there and he did. And I love the friends that I have through my time there, but uh, it, it was time to move on. 
You know, the Lord was taking me to, you know, he talks about going from glory to glory. He wanted to take me to a new glory. Well, you can't do that if you're in the wrong place. So it was, it was going to have to happen. And I'm glad he did it by moving me because it would have been a lot more painful otherwise. But then I land in Nashville and uh, ended up going to a mega church there. And that's where Rebecca and I met. Yes. That's kind of where this one picks up, I guess. Yeah, so we met we met at a mega church and when I I moved to Nashville in 2016, I first started going to this little Nazarene church. And honestly, I was pretty mad at the church. <laughs> not that Nazarene church, but just yeah, the church. Yeah, why in were you mad at them? No, not them specifically. <laughs> I was actually really frustrated and I was frustrated with the Nazarene denomination and just all these things and so I came to oh, Nashville. Oh, with them allowing women to preach. Oh, you know it. <laughs> no, no. But so I, I, I'll never forget this. I came to Nashville and it was my second week here. And I was like, okay, I got to find a church. And I went online and I was scrolling online, all these churches. And I saw a church and I was like, I'm going to go to this church this Sunday. And then right up the street from me, like five minutes up the road was this Nazarene church. And Holy Spirit told me to go there. And I was like, I'm not going to a Nazarene church. And so I, but it just so happened that the Nazarene church and the other church I was going to go to, they had a church at the same time. The service started at the same time. So I get in my car and I'm driving to go to the one church. And then I just felt, I was like, I can't do, like, I have to follow the Holy Spirit. So I drove to the Nazarene church and I, I walk in and it was a smaller congregation, but I'll never forget the pastor's wife, Jamie. She was just so real. She was so kind, so welcoming, just everything that you would want in a pastor's wife. She still is. She still is. Yeah, she, they're still there. <laughs> um, everything that you would want in a pastor's wife. And I thought to myself, she just had no pretense. You know, she wasn't trying to be churchy. She wasn't, she was just real. And I thought to myself, okay, if this is the pastor's wife, I can do this. And so the Lord actually led me to that church for a season to just heal some wounds that I had to help me sort through some things to kind of give me faith in church as a whole again. Cause I was really over not, and I shouldn't even just say with the Nazarene denomination, just church in general, I was really over it. And so that, you know, that's an example, like not every example in our history of church is negative. Um, that's just one example yeah. of many of a positive experience that I had with the church that was very needed. Yep. And, you know, there's positive experiences with even the uh, dead church, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. And then there was really bad, too. So, and we can talk about that some other time. But, you know, uh, I also got to meet those lovely people at the Nazarene church that Rebecca was part of when, when we started dating. I went there, too, just to support. And because uh, I'm that kind of guy. Very special. <laughs> You are special, babe. <laughs> and, you know, and then at some point we we just had to make the call to step aside because uh, the scheduling. Yeah, the scheduling, we moved. We yeah. had a baby. We moved. And yeah, there was a lot going on. And it was, and it was, very was just sad. time. I was very sad to leave that church. It was, yeah, it, it was sad. But, you know, it's all good. Yeah. And now we, so then we were part of some other churches. Yeah. And some some of the good ones, you know, it's just for a season. And that's okay. Yeah. Like you said, the Lord used that to help heal you. Yes. And I know you brought a lot of uh, love to the people that were there. People, you know, they, they would just uh, 
They really enjoyed you. Oh, they but they they were so great. I mean, they gave us an engagement party and everything. Oh, yeah. They were they were, so they were just so they were they, they are. are. Yeah. They are an amazing, <laughs> loving, very dedicated yeah. group of people. So we're at the mega church and a little thing called shutdown <laughs> happens. <laughs> so now this is where we're getting into our points. So well, yeah. This is kind of just things that we've noticed with with churches and just why we've had to kind of make really hard decisions about if we're going to continue, you know, where the Lord would have us be. And I would say that the ones that I left previously, you know, the ones I mentioned, I left those because I had outgrown them. Now we're going to get into some ones that there's a lot more to it. Okay. So shutdown happens. <laughs> yeah. And the being a mega church just opened a new building and that gave the excuse to not hold church for a few months still rubs me the wrong way because I'm reading a word and I didn't see anywhere where Jesus said, Hey, shut down your church. Cause there's a pandemic, right. but okay. It's a new thing. You know, yeah. COVID's new. Yeah, shut. We're so like, we're just right. like, okay, you know, we'll just go with it. It's all right. They have a start meeting up, but you have to sign up online. Well, that means that there's a registry and our mayor here would have had no problem if the government said, hey, turn over every list of people gathering, find everyone on in the Nashville area that is getting together. And the way that our pastors were there, I, I feel like they would have just handed it over wrapped in a bow. Uh, they were very accommodating to the mayor. Well, there and there was, you know, during shutdown, there were a lot of churches who felt that the scripture, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's, honor your leaders, you know, yes. obey your government. And so that, but that was a tricky thing for us because yes. we felt like, you know, the Bible talks about don't forsake the meeting, right? And so you honor your leaders to the point where they are no longer following biblical principles, right? So if you're, you know, if the government is telling you to do something that goes against the word of God, that goes against how this church is structured, then you don't listen to the government, right? Which is like a sticky thing for people. But, you know, God said meet. So yeah. we should be meeting. We shouldn't be having, you know, drive up church in the parking lot. We shouldn't be, you know, online church for three years, yeah. right? Well, think about the Chinese underground church. They're anti, you know, it's not anti-government, but they have to do what they have to do. Right. Yeah. If the church just always followed the government, we would have no church. Yeah, exactly. And specifically... For us at this specific church, again, we're not here to judge every church no. during COVID, but our specific experience was that whatever the local government said is what went. So we would have church open and then reduce the amount of people who could come in. And it was changing every week. And this know? was also, we should say, like, this is definitely our convictions. Yes, we're not here to judge everybody, you know. We're not even judging this particular church. No. We're just saying, like, this is, this this is, is an experience happened. that we had. This is why we love. Where otherwise, we should also say, otherwise, this church, you know, they're preaching the gospel, right? They're not some crazy church. For they're the preaching the gospel, right? Like, they're winning souls to Jesus. People are getting baptized. People are getting healed. You know, all those things. But this is something where we said, okay, now the church is putting the government of man seemingly over yeah. the principles and the church structure of God. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do with this? D you know, do we agree with this? Do we not agree with this? How do we proceed? So that was just kind of one thing that just didn't really sit well with us and what we felt that the church should be doing during that season. Yeah. Now we haven't really talked much about the prophetic so far in, in our few episodes, 
but Rebecca and I do believe in hearing from the Lord, and that's what prophecy is. It's hearing from the Lord, and the Lord does speak through prophets. You know, it didn't go away just because Jesus came and went to heaven, and he's coming back. He still speaks through prophets. It's up to us to discern. Right. And God even gives us individual accountability and authority on discerning prophecy. But there was a couple of people in that church body that we really trust, that had gained our trust, that we knew discerning these people are really hearing from the Lord. Yes. When election time 2020 came around, what they decided to do with those prophets, uh, I, I felt was appalling, which was basically to just put a, a hand up to them you know, and just say, well, forget what they're saying. And this was during, we should clarify it. So, you know, obviously 2020 election was That's crazy. Right. Yeah. right. But the prophets were really trying to give clarity to the people of God, right? Because there's so much going on. There's so much noise. And so they're saying biblically, right? Like voting wise, um, you know, just all the things because so often the church doesn't want to get involved in the government. And yeah. so these people were really putting their necks out there to try to bring clarity to people in a very you know, well, they were, just and, and clashing political climate for the nation yeah. as a whole. And we thought that was great, right? Because yeah. people should be speaking up. Whereas the leaders of the church, not only did they not give any credence to the prophets, but they took the stance of, we are not going to say anything about the government because Jesus is over everything. And he's like the top, which is yes. Jesus of course is who we should focus on, but Jesus has, laws and rules and structures of how you know the people should operate within their country so we can't just say we just follow jesus and we're not going to worry about politics yeah. we're not going to worry about parties so we have we have this tension so in we're the not church. gonna we're not gonna fight for these children that are being trafficked right or whatever the case may be where we could actually know. uh impact and change laws yeah what yeah whatever the topic is right yeah. we should be involved in the government and so you know our particular experience was we have church leaders who are being apathetic about yeah. the political climate in a time when everything is political i yeah. mean you can't walk out your front door without being political and then you have these prophets in the church who are really trying to give the people insight and clarity and what you know what does god say you know should christians go blm riot you know all these things yeah. and so it was this tension between the prophetic and the leaders of the church i think the way you put it was perfect empathetic no, not empathetic. Apathetic. <laughs> well, I, I well. But anyways, okay. Yes. We're, yes. Quite pathetic. We're not here to burn anybody at Quite the stake. Pathetic. We're just here to give our experience. But it is weak. You know. Can we just say that? It is weak to just kind of hide and say, well, you know, it's up to, to you. To hide behind Jesus. Yeah. And just, well, and use him as an excuse to not, you know, you think about all the great leaders throughout history the great Christian leaders, uh, Wilberforce, who is a believer, using the government to help end slavery in Correct. Europe. You know, come on. There's no excuse other than you want to be a people pleaser. So it comes down to money. What are you laughing at? You're, you're, I mean, yes, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. You're, I'm on a rant. You're really I, going after this. I don't, yeah. 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 That's why I don't do notes. <laughs> <laughs> I do know so I can at least know what, you know, soundtrack. Well, I know that. But yes. I know, but this is what's 
it's been festering for yeah. a long well, time. Well, again, we're not, but we're not here to burn this church at no, the stake. No, I'm you not. Know? Yeah. I'm not doing that. Right. I'm yeah. just saying what happened because this is my opportunity, you know, and we, when we left, we didn't say anything. Yeah. We, and we have not been over here. We, you know, no, we love we haven't people been that bashing go, you know, them. we're not. Yeah. We, we left on good terms. I know that this is one of your, your points here. But we didn't have any personal relationship with these senior pastors. So there wasn't any need to go meet with anybody. They didn't notice we were gone. That And that's just the facts. Yeah. It didn't make a dent. Yeah. Now, our circle of friends, it did. Sure, yeah. And and so blessed with that. Yes, you know, it, yes. We tried to make it work. We, we, we did. did. We didn't want to leave. Yeah. And and talk about, you know, we're talking about soul ties here and just feeling stuck. And like you really want to stay at a place that maybe is not the best place that the Lord has for you. And so we we were very prayerful. Things had changed. Yeah. So we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and shutdown was kind of like, okay, this, you know. Well, do you remember how they were handling the home groups? Oh, right. They, yeah. they kind of put them out there in a situation where if law enforcement showed up or whatever it may be, if they showed up that they were going to be on their own, the church was not going to back them. We're not going to endorse you meeting. If you want to, that's fine, but we're not going to encourage or yeah. endorse this. Yeah. We're not going to stick our necks out for things that we're reading in scripture. Right. So, okay. I think we've, be- I, I, <laughs> I think we've belabored that point. <laughs> well, I know, but it's still, yes. I want people to remember this because it's not that long ago. Right. And, and history forgotten gets repeated. And we, and you know, we're, we're, we have an election coming up. Right. Yes. And so we're not in a shutdown right now, but th- this is an important point yeah, that right you're talking now. about because we do have an election, an election coming up. And so maybe some people are at a church right now where, you know, the church isn't talking about politics at all. We still have a very political climate. Yeah. You know, maybe election 2024 is going to roll around and there's going to be pastors who take the same approach of, don't ask us who we vote for. Don't worry about left or right, up or down. We're just Jesus, yeah. right? So this can be helpful to people to know that, yes, we serve Jesus above everyone else, and Jesus is his own kingdom. But our mandate as Christians is to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And we can't do that if we're not you know, somewhat involved, even if it's just to go cast our vote, right, in the political system, in what is happening in our society we can't just let the government run us over because we're serving jesus that's not the will of god is not for the government to trample his people you know because they're just martyrs over here for jesus there's people suffering because pastors aren't willing to speak up now do you think that it's harsh for me to just call these pastors cowards i think that's a little bit harsh i am not going to i'm not going to say that i don't and I did. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to say that, but that's okay. So this is our first point. Shut down government, cowering to government instead of to Jesus. So then we left there and we end up in a church that uh, we found out pretty quick had some problems. Now, yes. now I will yeah, say at the <laughs> beginning that now I'll say right off the top, like I said before, we were definitely uh, big on the prophetic hearing from the Lord. So... That was kind of new for both of us, actually, um, kind of being around that In a church that was very prophetic, yeah. very yes. moving in it. So, yes. we, we, yeah, we landed in this church that had a senior pastor who was prophetic. Uh, it, 
it was different. Yeah, it was a different experience. And we for were us. going there because my family had moved here and they were going there. Yeah, and we felt, oh, this, this, you know, well, we got to go to a church. And this so was this somebody was who was standing up. Yes, this was still who during shutdown. Wasn't afraid to. Yeah, they yes. they stayed open the whole time. You and the pastor was not afraid to speak about the things that were going on. Right. Yes. So, and again, like we still know people from this church. We yeah. still love them. Yeah. Again, we're not here to bash the church. We're just talking about our experiences. No, I don't think there's anything left you know. to bash there. So <laughs> we start going to this church and the, I guess the easiest way to condense this, because again, this was a church that we were like, when we, when we left, we were like, oh man, like <laughs> I especially was like, I do not want to go and find another church. And it was really hard for me in particular to leave this church. But the way that I think the easiest way to condense this church is the like hyper church experience as a whole. Um, very much, you know, like, and I'm just going to use a different church name. I'm not going to call this church out by name and throw them under the bus. Um, but we'll just say the church on the Mount of Olives. So everything, and this can, this actually goes for other churches in our experience, not just this one. But everything is, you know, the church, we are the church of the Mount of Olives, and this is what the church of the Mount of Olives does, and welcome to the church of the Mount of Olives, and like this like experience that is created around the church itself, that's not necessarily we're here for Jesus. Well, and I, I would take it a step further. I think it was actually more about the pastor. He really wanted to promote sure. himself. Sure. Whatever, yeah, whatever the case may be, you're there for whatever that particular church has to offer, not Jesus. Yeah. And, but you go into this experience of we're, or this mindset of we're going to church for the experience that church gives us. And so it's this super like hyper spiritual, you know, um, we don't feel fulfilled on church. We don't feel fulfilled at, it's this super spiritual hyper we don't feel fulfilled at church unless the glory moves. And there's like this prophetic word given by the pastor and he calls people out in the audience to give a word. And then we all leave and we're like, wow, church was amazing today. The glory fell. And, and, but everybody's talking about like the experience at the church and what the church does and not so much, you know, Jesus touched my heart today and helped me to forgive my neighbor or, you know, broke me free from lust or whatever the case, the, the, the focus is on the church. Yeah. And so you feel like you're part of something. You feel like you're a part of a yeah. group. You feel like you belong somewhere. Like you have this, you know, no, no, rallying it, cry and that creates a soul tie. Yeah. Right. Cause you're but in, you're tied in to my, this church and not necessarily first to Jesus. In my experience there, I never felt comfortable. Like I didn't have friends there. It was very hard to connect with people. I never felt good. Like, there was always a heavy spirit there. And I should have recognized it sooner for what it was. And later on, we found out exactly what it was. And we were right. I wanted to support you. And <laughs> and you've already said it was hard for you to leave. Yes, it was hard. Rebecca stayed, you know. I at, stayed to the bitter end i mean the, <laughs> you did and you know and this and is it, it was tough like we could have made it a lot easier on ourselves if we would have left when we knew we should leave sure and i'm not giving you a hard time about that because it touched me that it doesn't matter how hard things are getting our marriage you have this level of uh, stick it out and 
I appreciate that about I'm loyal you. Loyal like a puppy dog. You you are. <laughs> you are. You have yes. been since the moment you you told the Lord, you got to help me love this guy in three days or else. <laughs> <laughs> and but from that point, you know, you have been extremely loyal. We were the same way with the previous church, and then the one that we're talking about now. I was ready to go because uh, uh, friends of ours had started a church and. I knew that was a healthy place, but you wanted to see if this could happen because you saw the possibilities. Right. So did I, but you really did, and you wanted to stick it through. There are seasons where God calls specific individuals to stay at a church for a specific purpose, right? What, whatever that may look like. And sometimes churches do go through seasons, you know, where they just have like a weird experience and then they get new leadership in, things change hands and they become healthy again. So wanting to stay at a church to see what happens isn't necessarily bad, but it's when you know in your spirit that something is off and that your time there has ended and you just stay and stay and stay because you just for some reason can't leave and you feel a dedication to these people and this building that's when it becomes unhealthy yeah maybe when the pastor leaves the church leaves his family right. and his wife is promoted to senior pastor it's a bit of a red flag yes maybe maybe <laughs> yes but again I try to see the good and the positive. And so just wanted to see, you know, what would happen. And, you know, again, if it would change hands and yeah. become healthy. And I think it didn't. The, only, so, the only bummer is that it did miss us some time getting to help the church that we're part of now grow. Sure. You know, we could have been really part of the ground up. I'll never forget this particular night. Doc came back from going to this church that was meeting on Tuesday nights and he said, I'd really love it if you could go with me. It's just so great. And I told him, if we have to leave the church that we're out now, I'm done with church. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> My faith in Christians, in Christian leaders is over. Like, I am so done. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to do this again. And that was really hard for me. But we eventually left the church. And so I started going with my husband. Well, yeah, but we, I mean, it went to a point where yeah, I we, mean, you I had no it, choice. Right. I, I got to the point where it was, we have absolutely no choice. We cannot stay here. And Johnny Enlow has this really great example that he gives about churches and overstaying your welcome, <laughs> where sometimes we ask the Lord for a sign, you know, Lord, give me a sign or just like free me, Lord, release me to go somewhere else. And sometimes it's like you're driving and there's this car coming at you and you know you're going to have like a head-on collision and you're like lord give me a sign that i should get off the road and isn't a car coming at you full speed ahead sign enough you know yeah <laughs> and also sometimes the lord can't re if you're like lord release my spirit from this church well if you have a soul tied to this church he can't release you right yeah. like there's deeper stuff going on so if you see red flags, like major red flags, I mean, infidelity with the pastor, that's a major red flag, you know, yeah. uh, maybe you should leave. Right. <laughs> and so, but I held this out to the bitter, bitter end. Yeah. And, and there was infidelity. There was, ironically. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, yeah. So churches that are just hyper-focused on the experience where it elevates the pastors to a level they should not be, where it elevates the church, where we are more dedicated and everything is more about the church 
and the experience of the church and what the church gives us. And like, oh, I went to this church and like the worship was amazing. And Jesus, I could just feel the power of Jesus. Well, you can feel the power of Jesus anywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad. Like, I, I understand I, I what you're saying I think that was easy there. to do at, at the mega church that we were at in Nashville mm-hmm. because you had these big time singers on stage. It was like going to a concert. That's a whole other topic, but yes. <laughs> Wait, which point are we on? We're on point. We're now moving to point three. And speaking of infidelity. Yes. So our next point is the church not addressing immoral sex. Okay. What does that look like? That can look like a number of different things. (laughs) This is a very broad topic, but we are going to try to keep it very succinct. So... We have churches that focus on hyper grace, you know, and they don't address issues of the day. And so we have a lot of people in our generation right now that are struggling sexually, whether it's with porn, whether it's with sleeping around with their boyfriends, whatever the case may be, whether it's Christians struggling with same sex attractions, wanting to transition themselves, whatever the case may be, there's so much sexuality going on in the culture and the church is not addressing this topic yeah because it's the same pastors that won't touch politics right so they they really don't want to rock the boat one bit again they have their reasons it's my opinion they should not be leading well it's in the bible i mean paul there's a lot of bible verses about (laughs) sexual immorality yeah right yeah and so you're you're hurting people and yeah we have talked to people who want to be free and they don't understand why the stuff isn't being dealt with. It's not being talked about right. from the senior leaders. Right. There's never a sermon about sex. And if there is, it's usually a marriage. Yeah, it's very, very you know, bland. It's never here. You know, here's the repercussions of sexual immorality, right? The church isn't addressing these things. And so this is a red flag. <laughs> yeah. Because this is something that needs to be talked about. And I mean, talk about soul ties. I mean, you have people out here with soul ties to, you know, who knows who? Yeah. I mean, I have friends that, you know, have had so many sexual encounters with people and they come to the church and they just want freedom and they think, okay, maybe if I just pray a prayer or, you know, maybe if I get married, it will solve all of my sexual issues. And because the church isn't addressing this, people are left to struggle and to try to find answers themselves. And so this is a topic where... The church needs to be talking about this. And so if you're going to a church and you're like, I don't know if I should be here or not. I feel called to this church, but I'm not sure. But your church is, it. they haven't talked about sex in the last year. That That's a red flag. So my experience hearing sex talked about, it's usually been in the guys group. So they don't like to talk about it when the ladies are present. But I think that there would be value in just calling it out in front. You know, and that's how I am with deliverance. Like, I believe that demons should be cast out in public because that's what Jesus did. He wanted to show the kingdom of God on display, and that's what he's called us to do. Well, there's no reason for us to have to hide around everything that we know is going on anyway. Right. So if you got a porn problem, it needs to be talked about straight up. Yeah, you and know? there's a, and you might see a lot of women giving glares at their guys. 
Right. But, but there's also a feeling with Christian women that somehow the men in the church are immune from this. You know, it's like, especially if you go to a super conservative church, right? Yeah. Like a Southern Baptist church or something, that somehow the men in your particular church don't have a problem with this. And now I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it's it's something insane. Like one in seven men or something are in some way involved with porn. Like hooked well, I'm on sure it. it's higher than that. Maybe I don't know. I I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. But either way, it's a it's a big enough number that if you go to a church and you have more than seven men in your church, somebody probably has an issue. Yeah. So even just calling that out from the pulpit is helpful for women to know that okay, maybe this guy that I'm really into, you know, here at the church, maybe maybe he has a problem. Maybe we should talk about this. Maybe we should bring these things up. In our conversations, when and we it's go out helpful for, a date. for guys to know, hey, I can't keep doing this. You know, that's how you, if you want to make progress, if you really want to grow, the leaders have to be willing to call out people on the things that they know are going on. Now, another reason they might not want to call it out is they are involved in said sin. There's, well, it, there's I mean, multiple reasons that a pastor might not want to talk about any topics. And, right. you know, when they're not wanting to talk about politics, maybe they are, you know, in a little bit too deep with people that they shouldn't be. Yeah. Or maybe their political leanings aren't scriptural. Maybe they yeah. know. You know, I, mean, I've, that, yeah. I voted for somebody that wasn't. But, we, you know, I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit. Yeah, Talking about pastors that don't want to talk about anything sexual. What are we seeing right now? We're seeing this flushing out in the church of pastors who are hurting children, pastors who are cheating on their wives, pastors who are having inappropriate relationships with people in the church. Yeah. There's so many things going on. And so especially, I mean, in light of the sound of freedom, all the things happening, Yeah. right? This is something that like by the end of the year, I think that every church in America should in some way talk about this subject, Yeah. right? And if you don't, I'm highly suspect and, <laughs> and that's not to be judgmental, but it is something that is so big in our culture and people are looking for answers. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for freedom, you know? Yeah. And also if you don't talk about these things, it gives people in your church permission to just do whatever. If you call something out on Sunday morning, people might think twice about going and doing something on Monday. You know, sure. if they know that the leadership of the church and their small group leaders and their friends are going to, you know, have this standard and speak about it, right? Bring it out in the yeah. open. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like it, it is up it to the individual to to actually admit that they are having a problem. You know, but it you, creates you can't the force somebody. That. Yeah, it does. That's exactly it. Nobody feels free to come. You know, people say, come with all your problems, you know, and like the church is here to heal you. But you know, it's well, not, it's not a museum, it's a hospital, right? Yeah. But if we're never talking about specific topics, people will never feel comfortable to address these issues, Yep. to go seek help. Yep. And we're going to see a lot of pastors in the coming days be exposed for exposing themselves. And that's, that's just the reality yes. of what's coming down the pike. The Lord's been speaking this he is doing a deep cleanse of the church and everything that's been done in dark will be brought to light. So um, it's not going to be an easy time coming up here, but a much needed time. Yes. Well, and even in first Corinthians, you know, Paul talks about the man who had his father's wife 
Yeah. And how the church was not addressing this. Yeah. The Corinth church, they were ignoring this. They were acting like it didn't happen. So there are uncomfortable things that happen in the church, but you have to address them. Yeah. Because if you don't, they so just fester. Like that too. <laughs> like, well, if we were doing church the way that the first church did, there would be so many people kicked out, sent home. You know, one of my beefs, and I'll just touch on this real quick because we can do a whole episode on this. One of my beefs with the, the church I grew up in, there was this guy that would come and he was, you know, just a regular dude, a bachelor. And I'm a, I'm barely a teenager and probably in junior high. And I, long story short, we find out this guy, I find out this guy is actually a registered pedophile now he wasn't registered because at that time i think the registry was just starting to become a thing but the thing that irritates me the most the pastor knew that this guy was a pedophile the church board knew this guy was a pedophile and they let him stay because well what would jesus do they let this guy stay he ended up molesting at least one kid probably more it could have been dealt with if they would have said, hey, we we can't let you be around our children. Right, right. Well, we, and this is biblical. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible actually comes from this chapter where Paul is admonishing the Corinth church because they won't address this issue of a man having his father's wife. And the, I'm going to read this for you. This, for me? Yeah, for All you. Right. This is 1 Corinthians 5, verses 12 through 13. This is what Paul says about this situation. He says, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. And there's this thought in Christian circles of like, don't judge people. You can't judge me. Yeah, it's right. only God's job yeah. to judge me. But God actually says, Yeah. It is the Christian's job to judge those inside the church. Yep. Don't worry about the world yep. because they don't know God. That's They're right. not beholden to his commands. They haven't signed up for him and said, yep. yeah, yes, I'm going to follow him. So don't even worry about them. Worry about yourselves. And if there is something so great like incest or child molestation going on in the church or whatever the case may be, if people aren't holding to the standards of God. I don't think it even has God, to be that dark. Right, whatever it is, if people are not holding to the standards of God, call it out. So it is our job as Christians to judge those inside the church. Yeah. Which means just holding you to a higher level. Yes. Now, it doesn't mean now, we're like condemning. We don't condemn people to hell. We don't judge their soul, but we judge their actions and we call them to account and we hold them accountable. Yeah. I know someone who has a staff member who is um, accused of, you know, sexual assault and they've kept him around on the children's ministry because you know, his great grandpa and his grandpa were so-and-so, you know, and again, I mean, that ties in, that's a denominational thing in that specific case, but that's another soul tie, you know, denominations ha like just doing things because it's what we've always done, you know, oh, we can't rock the boat with these people because they've been coming to our church for 50 years, you know, oh, well it would tarnish their family name, you know, if their son or daughter was accused of this, you know, sexual problem. So we're just going to let it be. That's not the way to go about it because innocent people end up getting hurt in the process. You're supposed to call people, call them to the floor. Yeah. And if somebody, you know, is making accusations, 
Well, the Bible even addresses this, right? If it's one person, okay. But if you have two or more, right? The Bible has two yeah. or more witnesses set up. So if you, I mean, uh, and like, look, we know that people falsely accuse people all the time. So that's why we're yeah. broaching this. We're not saying that every single accusation out there is weight, you know, worth its weight in water. But if you have two or more people saying the same thing, you know, you need you need to do your due diligence and, and at least need, investigate it. Yeah, and you need to be praying and that yeah, really asking the Lord, uh, not what your feelings are. Put your feelings aside and say, Lord, do I need to go? Is this something that's legit? Uh, you know, maybe it's just time. Again, these are just things that we have experienced. So one, this is just a quick point, but one thing that we've experienced in a number of churches is when you can't access the pastor, when you have to like make a meeting with them 10 months in advance, or you can't even speak with them after the service. You know, sometimes I miss the days where, and kudos to the Baptist church my parents go to because the pastor at the time, he would stand outside the door you know, like it was 1952 (laughs) and he would shake the hand, you know, of everybody. And for that matter, the Nazarene church also at the time, you know, shake the hand of everybody that left. Right. So nice nice to see you today. You know, hope we have you back next week. And if you wanted to say something to the pastor, you could, um, there's something to be said for that. Oh, for sure. When the pastor is inaccessible, when you can't, when only like certain people can talk to them after church. Right. It's always like the same people. And they're like, you know, there's a circle to click held up. Right. Yeah. We don't want pastors. You don't want your pastor in a click. No, you don't. No, they're just hearing the same thing over and over again. That was one of the problems with the mega church that we were talking about. They were getting bad advice. They had bad people talking in their well, ear. Even now, the, I shouldn't say uh, bad people, but they had the wrong people talking in their well, ear. Well, even the other church. Yeah. The all church of them. after that. Yeah, yeah, all of them. That comes back to accountability and everything else. So, right. yeah, it, if they're not allowing you to, you know, at least with the the second one where there was cheating and everything else, at least I could talk to the pastor. I couldn't even do that with the previous one. I was there for like four years, and I talked to the senior pastor, I think, once. So we realized that at a mega church, right, we're talking, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Obviously, the pastor cannot be accessible to every person all the time. <laughs> like, we're not asking for the impossible here. But, you know, I have been a part of multiple churches where the pastor, you couldn't talk to them. And, and that's just not healthy, right? Yeah. You want to be able to at least talk to the pastor, you know, have a meeting with the pastor that doesn't take six months to yeah. make. You know, just general things Yeah, like that. The, the mega church I w- was on staff with. Yeah, the pastor was always in the lobby, uh, you know, in between services and all that stuff. So, you know, it it wasn't like he was off limits or anything like that. And he would try to make time for people when he could and uh, really give him credit for that. All right. Our last point is kind of on the other end. Churches that are ultra legalistic. <laughs> and this is actually surprisingly where I have had the most experience yeah, I haven't with had people. Really any. Well, but I'm saying with people who have soul ties oh, to churches. Yeah? It, in my experience, a lot of them are in super conservative, legalistic, you know, if women don't wear skirts to church on Sunday, you know, if we put drums on stage, this is where I think a lot of people fall. I, I know Have you people, gone to these churches? I have gone to these churches, <laughs> and I'm not going to name them by name. But yes, I have been part of churches that are just too rigid, you know? 
Jesus, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yeah. So we have freedom to live according to our convictions, and somebody else's conviction is not necessarily your conviction, right? If it's not in the Bible, yeah. the Bible doesn't talk about piercing your ear or wearing long skirts or putting your hair up. So maybe it's somebody else's conviction, but it doesn't mean it has to be yours. Sure. Well, I think of, and I, I don't have a problem actually calling out this pastor, John MacArthur. Oh, <laughs> I now, can, now, we could do 50 podcast now, episode on this topic. Now, now I will say that I really applaud his his efforts during shutdown. Just saying screw it to the uh, government. You know that that was really going over top. Like this is in California. They were going right. way out and above yes. to try to and this is I mean this is a guy who doesn't believe in healing. Now at least with me, I didn't feel like, well, I need to be afraid of a virus. I mean, they might have been afraid of the virus, and they were still willing to meet. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I do give them credit there. But there's a lot of legalism. and Too much legalism. Way too much, yeah. Yeah, way too much. I mean. It's what's called Calvinism. You know, I, I, book. That's yeah, how much you I know like, yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if your pastor is a fan of Calvin, get out. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I will say I agree. Be, and, and that's not to knock anybody, but it's legalistic. And Jesus well, didn't call yeah. us to be bound up by rules and regulations, yeah. and this is the only way you can get to heaven. Yeah. And also, you know, if people leave your church, then just cast them aside, right? We're not going to talk. Th- like, church is not a gang, right? When people leave our churches, we're not supposed to treat them like <laughs> lepers. And like we never talked to them again. I mean, we we have well, you, you dear and friends I, yeah. from all the churches that we talked yeah. about here. Yeah, I still have you know I love people at the Baptist church. Oh sure. And you will you will never see me probably walking into a Baptist church unless the Lord Jesus yeah. calls me to go. But I still have Baptist friends that I love dearly. You know, well, all over I, the country. I talked about the church I grew up being dead. I know for a fact. I just know that if it wasn't for two or three older ladies who were just absolute prayer warriors they prayed for me all the time i know this that their prayers they saved me from a world of hurt sure so even in a dead church there can still be those people that are there that the that god's using yes you know but if you want to keep growing and it's time you just got to go yes but i love those people and I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I can. I can wait. I'm not looking to go tonight. But <laughs> yeah. I, I look forward to telling them how grateful I am that they they thought of me, that they cared, you know, that I was on their prayer list and I was in their thoughts of when it came time to pray, that they were going to bat for me. Yeah. Because it are, made a huge difference. The prayers of the righteous avail of much. There you go. So to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> So if you are at a church, again, these are this is our experience, just things that we have experienced in our time of growing up in the church and being at multiple yeah. churches. Um, so if you are at a church and you just feel like, you know, maybe it's time to leave, but you feel like you can't leave for whatever reason, maybe you can't even explain it. You might have a soul tie to this church. You You might have gone there for so long that you feel this unnatural loyalty. Right. Yeah. I've been at this church for 40 years. I can't leave. Well, and the enemy will use that against you. He'll, yes. he'll try to make you feel guilty. He'll say, how dare you leave these people? Right. Oh, the pastor's your friend. 
mind. Yeah, or, you know, whatever excuse that the enemy wants because they want to keep... The enemy wants to keep you stagnant. He doesn't want you going glory to glory. He wants you staying where you are and preferably even further behind. So it's noticing what the enemy's doing, his schemes, and just saying, okay, well, I got to do the difficult thing. And there might be tears. You might be crying your way out. Sure. But it will be worth it long term. Yes. Yes. So if you're going to a church and you notice any of these things, you know, if you notice them super focused on the experience of the church or they're ultra legalistic or you can't ever talk to the pastor no matter what you do or the church doesn't talk about anything government related. They just say we talk about Jesus and that's it. Or if they never address the topic of sexual immorality, these are just things that you can look for that maybe it's time to leave the church even if you feel stuck (laughs) and like you can't leave maybe there's a soul tie there and that needs to be broken and it's time for the lord to take you to a new place and free you from glory to glory and i I think we should just close out with a little prayer actually sure so lord i thank you for these people listening lord for these folks that this is really uh touched a nerve lord give them courage to do the right thing help them see the truth of what's going on and thank you that you're your best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. And with that, how can people reach us and all that jazz? They can reach me oh. on Instagram, always and forever. I you mean, should go over to, to <laughs> DocKennedy.Substack.com yes. and register there. And then you can follow me wherever. Just look up Doc Kennedy. You'll find my mug. You're on everything. Yes. I, I love it. I love that you're on everything. Thanks. I can only commit to one. So I know you. I chose Instagram. Yeah, you are committed. <laughs> or should be committed <laughs> oh my gosh I love you babe I love you